So this morning we begin a brand new series uh, entitled Advent. Uh, And Advent is the time of year that leads up to Christmas. And it's something that is celebrated by churches throughout the world, collectively, um, during during this time. And it's something that's been celebrated for centuries. And to be honest, in, in, in preparing this message, it was kind of like a personal discovery for me too. Um, because I've, I've, I've understood scriptures in, in, a, in a whole new way as I've read them through the lens of this theme of Advent. Um, and every... Every week, uh, and I'll explain more about what the themes are now, every week of Advent has a specific theme devoted to it. So the first week of, Ad, of Advent, which was last week, is hope. Today is peace. Next week is, is joy and then love. So it kind of breaks up those four weeks into four specific themes. And then obviously Christmas Day is its own message. Uh, and I'll be preaching my very first Christmas message ever uh, this December. Yeah, really looking looking forward to that. Um, Pastor George and the side pastors, we, we, we kind of spoke and we said, look, you know, now that churches have kind of established themselves and there's growth and there's life and there's health, you know, if you feel like you want to tackle your own message, you, you're welcome to do that. So I thought, you know, let me, uh, let me take that step of faith. Um, and it also means that, you know, we don't have to follow the, the tight run sheet because there's a lot of production elements that happen on North End side. So it'll tidy that up as well. Um, you see, if I can take a step of faith, then so can you. So another little bit of a, but, um, but so yeah, so this is this is week two of Advent, and it's the theme of peace. So if you were like me before, kind of understanding what this was, why why is Advent so important, and what does it actually what does it actually got to do with why 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 Advent? Well, you know, if you were anything like me growing up, you might remember Advent as those um, cool, colourful little calendars that you used to get, yeah. And there was a little window, a little door, and behind every door was a little sweetie or a chocolate. And, um, you know, you'd put it on the, on the fridge or in the cupboard somewhere, and at the start of every day, you'd open the next door, right? Um, I suppose today it would probably be a, I don't know, a vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free free blueberry or something that you'd find behind there. But back in the day, it used to be a chocolate. Um, and that would kind of help you get excited as you, as you look forward towards Christmas. Well, the season of, 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 of Advent has got to do with that idea, although it's obviously a lot deeper theologically than chocolates. Um, it's about building up this expectation to the coming of Jesus Christ to earth. And this season forms part of what's called the liturgical calendar. Now, the liturgical calendar, in case you're wondering, that's the traditional church calendar um, that has been followed throughout centuries by all the churches across the world that tracks the life of Jesus. So it looks at his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and it celebrates major themes through, throughout, throughout the year. So the major feast days, for example, that's on the liturgical calendar. The word liturgy literally means work of the people, by the way. So it's like the tradition that's been followed by churches right throughout church history. It looks at major feast days, and it obviously looks at major events like Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. And there's something I think so beautiful, so powerful about churches globally all joining together in unity around common themes throughout the year. I think there's, there's something special about that. You know, I really believe that, that, that Christ is most glorified when his body is most unified. And so I'm really um, kind of expected with this, um, um, uh, I'm, I'm expecting through, through the season with sort of a special expectation that God will do something special as all of his churches focus in on the same, the same idea. So the liturgical calendar tracks the life of Jesus and, in, and every, every week of Advent's got specific scriptures. Uh, and if you're watching Father's House uh, on YouTube and Facebook during the last week on, for, for daily devotions, I see some of our regular viewers are here. Every morning, seven o'clock, uh, last week we tackled this theme of hope and we shared 
shared some scriptures on this topic. Um, and it's amazing how in doing that, we all kind of grew and, and, and deepened our understanding um, of the Bible when we read them in this way. And so this week we're talking about peace. And the key reading for this morning is Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to take that scripture as our base. And then from there, uh, I'm going to look at three levels or three kinds of peace that Jesus brought into the world through his birth. And this is where we're sort of going to go this morning. The title of the message is Peace on Earth. And uh, the key scripture is from Isaiah 40. This is what it says. It says, A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. This is talking about John the Baptist. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. Just pause there for a moment, production. Just think about this context. Uh, th- think about this verse in the context of the birth of Christ. Every obstacle that was in our way between us and God will be removed. Every deep valley, doesn't matter how deep you feel like your life has gone, Christ will lift it up. Every mountain, doesn't matter how high that obstacle seems, Christ will level it. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. A beautiful picture. You see the work of Christ in these verses in the Old Testament. It's so beautiful. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Salvation is for all mankind. Amen. And, and this is one of, the, um, one of the reasons why I'm really excited about this series, is that we get to journey through these scriptures together and see how everything points towards Jesus. So, you know, thinking about these three levels of peace and, or three dimensions of peace that I want to talk to you about that kind of is wrapped up in this theme of Advent, which is peace. Um, if we had to just ask the average man on the street what they think one of the major messages are or themes that's around Christmas, they'd most probably say peace. Well, they'd probably say food, <laughs> Firstly, food is a major theme of Christmas. And then when they got serious, they would, they would, they would say peace. You know, it, just, it seems like one of those moral um, ideals that, that, that people typically associate with the birth of Jesus. And, and even if people don't know Christ yet, they have some sense of this, this theme of peace that's, that's celebrated in Christmas. You know, families get together, we share gifts, we go on holiday. We, we, you know, people are thankful for what they've received. And so this idea of peace is kind of already there. But for us as believers, we know how central peace is to the message of Jesus, right? It's mentioned, the word peace actually is mentioned over 250 times in the Bible. It's kind of a big deal. And it's one of those key themes that surrounds who Jesus is in the life of his ministry. And if we've been in church for a while, we would have probably heard scriptures like Philippians 4, quoted at some point, I'm sure, when it comes to this topic of peace. It says this, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And, say it with me, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a great verse. And in that verse, we have a promise attached to a, a condition rooted in a person. We have a promise attached to a condition that's rooted in a person. The promise is the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. It's attached to a condition. Don't worry, number one. And number two, with petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's the condition. And three, it's rooted in a person. That's in Christ. Well, those are some important points, right? It does not say, for instance, take things into your own hands with an expectation that he will say yes to everything you ask and demand of God what you need. (laughs) That's the own opinion for verse six and seven passage. 2022 translation. 
No, it's talking about a posture of humility, isn't it? And that through heartfelt thanksgiving, let God know what's on your heart. But I wonder how many times we pray the own opinion version of that verse and wonder why we don't experience peace. (laughs) And maybe that's something you needed to hear this morning. Maybe that's just it. You know, God, I've been taking things into my own hands. I've been stressing about stuff. I've been demanding my way. And as a result, I can't seem to find peace. Help me pray the correct way. Maybe that's your message this morning. Or perhaps we've been thinking that, you know, if we say the right things, um, we will receive the guarding of our hearts and minds in something else other than in Christ. You know, that verse is very, very clear. The receiving of the promise rests in the person of Jesus. There is no other place that the human soul will find the peace that it needs other than in the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing else can substitute that. You know, Isaiah chapter 9 calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. That's his name. It's one of his names. He's the Prince of Peace. And so why do we sometimes go to things that are created instead of going to the creator himself? I wondered about that this morning in the context of peace. You know, speaking about Isaiah, it's another one of the verses that carries a similar theme. It's Isaiah 26, verse 3. Check it out. Same sort of concept. It says, you will keep, everyone say will. Will. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. Why? For it is trusting in you. Oh, that is a great verse. Well, man, we could spend all day on that. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you or fixed on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Now, we can see from these scriptures that how often we as people tend to think that God is withholding his peace from us. Like it's, you know, this thing that we can never seem to apprehend, but God actually, in his divine wisdom, he's simply calling us to trust him. That peace is freely available. He's calling us to trust him. He's calling us to be dependent on him, as that verse says, as our provider, as our sustainer, as our Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. And when we do that, we will experience his peace in our lives, no matter the circumstance that we find ourselves in. You know, that, that, that verse in Isaiah, especially, in, you know, I just wanted to mention this, although it's not one of the main themes of this, of this morning, but that, that passage in Isaiah specifically has to do with our thought life. It's got to do with the war of our minds. And I just want to kind of point out that this area of our thought life is, is probably where we experience the greatest attacks, but also where we experience the greatest victory. I really believe that, especially coming out of this last two-year um, lockdown period, it's, 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 it's been such a topical thing. And I, and I really do believe this is an area that, that we experience the greatest attacks, but also the greatest victory. And the solution to winning the war in your mind is not as hard as the enemy makes it out to be. And I just wanted to mention that this morning, that that verse in Isaiah is very, very clear. When your mind is dependent on God, when your mind is fixed on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. He will. Just fix your thoughts. Just fix your thoughts on the king and on his kingdom and watch what happens as you experience peace like never before in your life. Amen. Um, I just felt like that might be a word for someone this morning um, as we share on this topic. But also, uh, speaking about peace, we know that Peace is listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Anyone know where the fruits of the Spirit is? Galatians chapter 6, no, almost, 5, there we go. It's listed as one of the fruits. And what are fruits? Fruits are grown in the life of the believer as we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit and actively pursue God's kingdom in our lives. This is what Galatians 5.22 says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There it is. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Anyone feel like they would, wouldn't mind eating from some of this fruit? <laughs> hey? Imagine if believers everywhere just produced this kind of stuff in this, in this measure. It'd be a much more peaceful environment, I think. But what's, what's important to note about this, about this passage is that spiritual gifts, by comparison, are given to believers. Spiritual fruit is produced. That's very, very important. Spiritual gifts are given. Spiritual fruit is produced inside of you. And people often go around chasing spiritual fruit. I need more gentleness. Where can I find gentleness? Where can I find self-control? Now, where can I find patience? Oh God, give me patience. Let it magically just drop into my life like patience. No, it doesn't work that way. Instead of giving you patience, God gives you a situation in which to be patient. Because fruit is grown from the inside of you, isn't it? The, the production of peace in your life, for example, isn't about how many peaceful places you can find. It's about allowing the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts. That's what it's about. And when you do that, you can have peace in any place that you find yourself in. Can you say amen to that this morning? And throughout the season of Advent, you know, we get to see our peace coming in the person of Jesus. And the message will be, the heavenly peace that mankind desired has come and he's introduced himself to us in a person. We're going to talk on Christmas Day about the, 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 well, the title of, Hello, my name is Emmanuel. Nice to meet you in person. That's going to be the theme uh, of this. So um, heaven brought peace to earth in the person of Jesus. It's not something that's distant. It's not something far away. It's something that is freely available to every believer. Have a look at what Luke chapter 2, verse 13 to 14 says. This is the angel who appeared to the shepherds out in the field as we read this, the, the narrative story of Jesus' birth. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors it's part of the message it's part of the greeting it's part of the conversation of of christmas day and i guess that's why this concept of peace is wrapped up excuse the pun uh, in the story of christmas that, that, that that's why it is this this peace that comes from god is for everyone and he's not distant and maybe maybe we know of someone this morning someone close to us or even even ourselves that we may have been struggling to find peace in some area. Maybe you know of someone that's been struggling to just find that I'm at peace feeling. And the encouragement that we have this morning is you don't have to go looking for him. He's come looking for you. This is the message of Christmas. This is why peace is such a key theme of Advent. It's peace has come looking for you. You just need to welcome him. Just welcome him this morning. So, Bit of context. What are the three kinds of peace? What are the three dimensions of peace that we have received in Christ Jesus as a gift? Well, the first one is that we have peace with God. And this is an eternal peace. Man, that is so important. We have peace with God because of Christ. And that is an eternal peace. It's not something that fades away. You know, this is the most important and the, I suppose the first level of peace that Christ came to bring is that we can have peace with God on a personal, personal level. You know, and in Matthew chapter one, we see how Isaiah's prophecy some 700 years before was fulfilled in, this, in the New Testament. Note some of the language in this verse. This is, the, this is the prophecy quoted in Isaiah. It says, she, talking about Mary, obviously, uh, will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. There's a promise. 
Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet uh, Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Salvation has come to us, family, because of the person of Jesus. And if the Old Testament was a story of people trying to find their way back to God and be made right with Him, then the New Testament is the account of God making His way back to us and making us right with Him through His Son. God was unapproachable in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament through Jesus, He's personal. He was unsearchable or unreachable in the Old, yet He's knowable in the New. And this is all through his son. Salvation has come to mankind in Christ Jesus. And this is good news. Amen. We don't have to go looking for it. It has come to us. And when we consider this Christmas message, you know, I was obviously doing quite a bit of reading up on this in, in, in preparation for the series. One of the, one of the lesser known characters in the story is a man called Zechariah. Anyone ever heard of Zechariah? In scripture, yeah. Um, and I wanted to spend a few minutes looking at his life because I think there's some valuable lessons that we can learn from his story um, as we, you know, when, it, when it comes to recognizing this eternal peace that we have found in Christ. Um, Zechariah, he was, he was quite an interesting guy um, and he had, he had quite a tough road, but it must be said. He didn't exactly have the easiest journey. Um, quick little pop quiz before we, before we look at his, at his story. Um, for 15 heaven points... Um, who was Zechariah's wife? Anybody? Zechariah's wife? Elizabeth, yes. John, you get 15 points, and for a bonus, 20 points and a free cup of coffee after the service. Uh, who, is their, who is their son? What's the, what's the name of their son? John the Baptist, yes. I love this church. We, we're so, we're so, just a fay with the scripture. If you said Paul, welcome to church. It's wonderful to have you. It's a safe place. No, I'm joking. But Zechariah's story is, is, really is one of patience and persistence in serving the Lord and in prayer. You see, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they weren't able to conceive children. They were, they, they were old and advanced in years, as the scripture calls it. We can guess roughly between 15 and 80 years old. And they were unable to, to, to have kids. Kind of sounds like another couple in the Old Testament, doesn't it? Abraham and Sarah. Also, well advanced in years, unable to have kids. There's so many beautiful symbolisms there. Thank you for that, amen. Um, but Zechariah and, and his wife Elizabeth, although they were unable to, to have kids, the Bible says in Luke chapter one that, that, that they were both righteous in God's sight. That's Luke one, uh, Luke 1 verse six. It says, both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame to, uh, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. I mean, if you're going to get featured in the Bible for something, that's not a bad title, right? <laughs> Declared righteous in God's sight. I mean, imagine putting that on your Instagram bio. Righteous in the Lord's sight. Not a bad, not a bad title. But just imagine for a moment the relationship dynamic that they would have had, both between God and with themselves. Think about that. Is serving the Lord faithfully, yet never receiving the promise fully. Serving him faithfully. Zechariah was a priest. Serving the Lord faithfully, yet never receiving the promise fully yet. And the relationship dynamic between one another, how they were determined in their commitment, despite the disappointment. They were determined in their commitment to one another, despite this disappointment that they were experiencing of not being able to have kids. A great example for us today, huh? Can we be determined in our commitment to the Lord and to one another, despite a season of waiting? Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful and they served the Lord in the wilderness season. But, but you know, old Zechariah, he, um, he wasn't without his shortcomings, 
uh, despite his good points. Um, and this is kind of where the story gets a bit interesting. You see, he was on duty one day at the temple. It was his turn. He was on the planning center roster uh, for our volunteers. It's an app called Planning Center. We use it to schedule guys. So he checked his uh, calendar, and he was on. And um, it was his duty to burn incense in the sanctuary. Again, such a beautiful picture. What is incense representative of? Old Testament. Priests, they used to offer these sacrifices, right? Symbolizing our prayers that used to rise up like a fragrant offering to God on behalf of God's people. And just think about how Ephesians 2 says the following, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Christ fulfilled the entire Old Testament law in the sacrifice of himself. We'll speak more about that during, during Easter. Um, but, there, but there Zachariah was fulfilling his duty, offering his incense to God, when an angel appeared to him called Gabriel and gave him this prophecy about having a son. And this is kind of where the story gets humorous in a way because, you know, the angel Gabriel, right? We all know Gabriel is kind of a big deal in Scripture. He's not just a random guy with wings, okay? This is, this is like the angel Gabriel. Pretty significant figure. And he appears to him and he, and, he, and he gives him this word about having a son. And just imagine for a second if you see Gabriel standing in front of you, white as lightning, big booming voice, and he's giving you this promise. Chances are you're going to believe him, right? I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty radical encounter. Um, but our dear friend Zachariah, when he, you know, when he sees this, okay, first of all, he's terrified. I'll give him that. I'm on the same WhatsApp group there. But then after he receives this promise, you know what, you know what his first, first response is? How can I know this? <laughs> yeah, it's like, how can I be sure? I mean, Gabriel is standing in front of you, giving you this prophecy about your son. And his first response in Luke 1.18 is, how can I be sure? Zechariah asked the angel, for I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. You know, he goes back to his, to his struggle. He, he, he looks at the problem and taking his eye off the solution. And yeah, the angel, Gabriel, he kind of goes, okay, you know what, Uncle Z, you're just going to be quiet for a while. Uh, you, 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 you need a bit of silence. You need to think, think, think about things for a bit. So he actually becomes mute. Period of six months, can't talk as a result of, of, of not taking the angel seriously. I mean, imagine not being able to hear your spouse speak for six months. I'm just looking down. Uh, I don't know what. Uh, peace. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. That is the wrong context of peace. That is not, that is not the message. Uh, I'm just looking down. But, you know, I was thinking about that message, and I, and I actually wondered, you know, let's, let's put ourselves in, in Uncle Z's shoes for a bit. You know, the, the same the same difficulties experienced by us today sometimes. You know, God appears to us through his word. He appears to us through people. He, 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 he's, he's continually speaking, yet how many times do we say things like, really God, is that really what you said? <laughs> how can I know? It's like, how, like, what more do we want God to do for us to take him at his word, seriously? <laughs> and God is, is with us through the person of Jesus. He's in you right now through the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's also a word for, for some of us this morning. Is just, you know, let's just leave all the doubt, all the how can I be sure stuff, and just say, Lord, yes, thank you. What is it that you're telling me to do? What is the word that you have for me today? I'm trusting you. I'm not looking at my problems. I'm keeping my eye on the solution. Speak to me. Speak to me.
Um, but, you know, fast forward a little while in, in uh, Zachariah's life, he obviously receives a promise. John the Baptist is born and he's able to then speak again. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 2, verse um, 67 to 71. Then his father, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. That is so beautiful. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us. Oh, this is so beautiful. To shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. How beautiful is that verse? Talking about Jesus, look at that. The dawn from on high will visit us. Man, that is so, so beautiful. To shine on those who live in darkness. You know, that's what sin does. Sin keeps us in darkness. Sin wants to keep you in its shadow. It wants to make you think that there's no way out, that there could never be light at the end of this tunnel. And look at what Christ has done. He has shone that light into that situation to guide our feet into the way of peace. We have personal peace through God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And this is what the Apostle Paul echoes in Romans 5 verse 1. And he kind of just says it so beautifully. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an eternal peace, by the way. God can't go back on his word. He can't. He's not going to take his peace from you because Christ has already paid the price for it. Amen. So firstly, God gives us an eternal peace through his son. And secondly, God does not only give us an eternal peace, but he also gives us peace with ourselves. And that's an inner peace. That is an inner peace that we experience. You know, it's a painful but, but true reality, I guess, isn't it, of the human condition that we are sometimes our own worst enemy, aren't we? It's a painful truth. We have this conscience in us that seems to dictate to us that we are never worthy of affection, that we will never match up to some standard of right living and therefore receive blessings from God. And that conscience seems to condemn us, that whenever we want to step forward into a God-given death, wants to keep us in that shadow. It says, you know what, they're going to laugh at you if you fail. It's doomed already. Don't, don't. It's this, this thing that wants to hold us back. It's this inner strife, this inner tension that we find within ourselves. And so when Jesus gives us the command in Matthew 22, verse 39, to love our neighbor as ourselves, it would seem impossible to do this. I mean, how on earth can I love my neighbor if I don't enjoy myself? You know, how can I live at peace with someone else if I have this hostile tendency in myself towards myself? However, the message of peace this, ad, this Advent season, friends, is that Jesus wants to bring us that deep inner peace through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That, that undeserved favor, that rest that is, that is beyond the tension that we experience. And that's why Jesus says this in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Everyone say my peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Just keep it there for a moment, uh, production. You know, this is John 14, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples a few days, a few moments rather, before he's crucified. This is, this is like the, the critical time. They're about to further his mission, his ministry. And he says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. 
You have the peace of Christ, his own peace living on the inside of you. That's something to be celebrated this festive season, amen? We can have this, this, this deep inner peace within ourselves because of who Jesus is. And notice how in that verse, he makes a distinction between worldly peace and kingdom peace. You know, he says, not as the world gives do I give to you. You know, worldly peace is deceptive. It promises something that it can never fulfill. But kingdom peace through Christ is able to sustain us in any and all circumstance. Amen? The world will say, oh, try this or do this or have this and you'll have peace. Can never really fulfill you. That's why Jesus says, not as the world gives do I give to you. The peace that I give to you, it will sustain you. It will sustain you through any circumstance and it will fulfill that hole that you know you need in your soul. You know, and this is why the Apostle Paul can write in Philippians 4, verse 12. He says this, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound, both sides. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the secret. The secret to the inner peace that we need, friends, is found only in Christ Jesus. And it's not only a peace that sustains us for today, but it also gives us a peace of mind that knows he will come again and he will heal all the brokenness and all the hurt in this world once and for all. Amen. So maybe walk with that expectation this festive season and, and commune with Jesus as our living peace, not as the world gives, but as the kingdom, as the king of kings gives peace in his kingdom. And then finally, I'm gonna wrap up with this final thought. We have firstly a peace that comes with God. That's an eternal peace. We have a peace with ourselves. That's an inner peace. And then Christ's message speaks about a peace that we can have with, other, with, with others. And this is a unifying peace. It's a unifying peace. You know, in the time surrounding Jesus' birth, um, in that context, the Jews, the, the, the people, were, they were expecting a rebellion of some kind. You know, they were looking for the Savior and they were thinking that this has to come through some aggressive way because, you see, they were under the oppressive rule of the Romans. It was hostile. It was very, very harsh. And, you know, if we look around the world today, we can kind of see that things are pretty hostile at the moment, right? Things are pretty harsh. And, and this, is, this is the message into which, uh, this is the situation into which the message of the gospel speaks. You know, this is the means people thought that this, that this kingdom would, would, would be restored. But instead of doing something violent, instead of having this, this rebellion, God sent a child in a manger. That was God's response to the, to the chaos, to this, to this hostile environment that was surrounding the birth. God sent a child in a manger. The lowliest place to be born, the most humble place to be born, and in doing so, he instituted a new way of establishing God's kingdom on earth. See, the all-powerful became vulnerable. God could have saved mankind just like that in a second, yet he sent a child. The all-powerful God became vulnerable, showing us a new way of living that reveals a God of peace, not a God of chaos and destruction. And this God wants to gather people from all walks of life in unity of the Spirit. And friends, right now, if we look around our country, and we're going to do a special prayer for, for our nation after this, but things are pretty chaotic right now out there, if we're honest. I think by many standards, we live in a world that's gone completely crazy. But this is the message of Christmas. This, this message of, of peace that speaks in the midst of the madness that a Messiah has come in a manger. 
in the midst of the madness, the message is a Messiah has come in a manger. And that through him, this divided world, this opposed world, this violent world can find the peace that it needs. It just might not look like you expected it to look. God's not coming with this rebellious, violent way of overthrowing. He's coming in a manger. And this Christmas, this Advent season, could we open our eyes and encourage others to look for Christ in everything? Galatians 3.25, speaking about the unity that he brings, says, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then he lists these things. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Friends, salvation is for everyone. And when we are in Christ, we are unified in him. There is no distinction. And I think that surely must be one of the most beautiful things about church is that you can sometimes sit next to, sit behind, sit in front of someone that under normal circumstances you wouldn't have dreamed of being in the same room as. But yet when, we, when that first song of worship starts to play, what happens? All those differences seem to dissolve, don't they? And it's because of the peace that comes through Christ Jesus that enables all of us to be one in the Spirit. And friends, this morning as we kind of come to a close, we have an instruction you know, this is a bit, of a bit more of a teaching series, but there's still some application here. We have, a, we have an instruction from the Lord this morning. Romans 15 verse 18 says this. This is it. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Just keep it up there for a moment. We have an eternal peace with God. Right? We are saved through Christ. We have an inner peace. An inner peace, this deep fulfillment of our soul that comes to the Holy Spirit. And with that peace, we're called to live at peace with everyone. This is our challenge this morning, is can we not only recognize the Messiah in a manger, can we not only receive that peace, but can we extend that peace to our fellow man? If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going, Lloyd, the scriptures ask me to live at peace with live at peace with everyone. I can't live at peace with anyone. <laughs> How do I find the strength? Well, I just want to remind you about Isaiah's prophecy. When we view people through the eyes of Jesus, you will see no division. You will see no valley. You will see no mountain. You will see no rocky road between you and the peace that you can have with your fellow man. Because Christ came to abolish all of that. He instituted a new way of living, a kingdom way of living. And this Advent season, friends, could we be encouraged to live as sons and daughters of the kingdom and not only seek peace, but extend it to others also. Amen. Could you stand with me, family, as we, as we close in a word of prayer together this morning? So week one of Advent, peace. Yes, something to think about. Some, some great scriptures there. I really, really um, am loving reading the word of God in this way. And I suppose as we, as we come to a close, I said just now that we're going to do a special prayer for our country. Our country needs peace. <laughs> Amen. It seems like a certain turning point is around the corner. And I think the church should be front-footed about praying for our nation. I mean, if the church is not going to pray for our nation and extend peace, who is, right? We 
have to take the responsibility on ourselves. I want to do a special prayer for that. And then just in reflecting on this message of peace um, that we've heard this morning, uh, I'm going to give us an opportunity to, um, to invite the peace of God into our hearts again, afresh. Maybe there's some area that we've felt restlessness or strife or anxiety or hostility in. And I really believe that, that the message of the Messiah in a manger means that we can, we can receive that peace this morning into that area and experience this, this, this gift that God had intended to release to us through His Son. So let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we thank You that You have uh, called us to be peacemakers. Uh, and we also thank You for the authority, Lord, that's in Your name. It's not in our name. It's not in a church. It's in your name. And Jesus, in that authority, in the name of Jesus, we speak your peace over this nation. see love and not fear father and we know lord that you carry that within yourself and in the season father we 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 speak our faith we speak the name of jesus into those meetings into those boardrooms into those decision making places father and we thank you that as we do that we will see a harvest of righteousness grow in this nation thank you father that we have a role to play and it's not the least thing we can do by praying. It's the most important thing we can do by praying. And it's because we are calling on to the, the name of the maker of the heavens and the earth. And so Lord, would you make a new nation? Would you make something new, something fresh come out of this place? That this land would again be a beacon of hope, Father. A place of unity, a place where your peace resides. And Father, for each of us this morning, as we just consider this message of, of Christmas, we thank you that if there are areas in our lives that feel at unrest, that, that feel hostile, that feel fearful, uh, we just thank you that, that we can receive the peace that comes from you into that area and we can experience a changed, a changed situation. And if that is you this morning, Father's house, if, you, if you're here this morning and you felt that, I just want you to very, very quietly just, just say, yes, Lord, under your breath, you can, you can, you can just say, yes, Lord, that's me. I have this area, I have this need, I have this, this, this place that seems um, hostile. It, it, it could be a relationship, it could be a career, uh, it could be family. I don't, I'm not sure what it is, I don't, I don't have to know. Jesus knows. And all you say is just, yes, Lord. Just say, I receive your peace. I don't have to be in a peaceful place. I can have peace from within me through your Holy Spirit. So Lord, for every request, I thank you that the God of all peace will move mightily in those ways. Thank you that where there was a distance from you, there will be closeness to you. Where there was strife or unforgiveness or anger or hurt or hate, even I pray that those would be replaced by your peace with feelings of love and joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, wonderful fruits of the Spirit, Father, that are grown in us. And we just thank you so much that as we yield to you, as we submit to you, you lead us beside quiet waters, Father. <laughs> the place that you have in mind for us is a peaceful one. And we thank you that as we enter into this Advent season, we will experience a deeper sense of that peace in our lives. And in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Church, can we give God a shout of praise this morning? Thanksgiving and worship.